Shana mana ne sana Shana mana na maya na I'll put you in front In front of my melody You are all that matters You are all that matters I'll make room for two You and I, Jesus You are all that matters You are all that matters Oh, You are all that matters Oh, You are all that matters Oh, You are all that matters 
Sunday morning like this, we have our special session called Church Without Walls. We come and have time on the Word of God in teachings and in prayer. The Bible has showed us again and again and again and again that God will prioritize his word over every other thing. In fact, good morning. In fact, in a place in Psalms, it said that he has exalted his word above all his names. So any name you would call God, Shama, Yahweh, Nisi, Rufeka, any name you would call God, he said, he will value his word more than that name. He's not saying he doesn't like the name or he doesn't enjoy it, but he's telling you that his word is where his power, his life, his integrity has been planted in, not in the name. Not in the name. So as we give ourselves to the word of God, we're going to find the fullness and the integrity of the Father entrusted to us because we have now found the right way of spending time with God. Nothing makes me feel sorry for a supposed believer, like seeing somebody who have been in church five years, ten years, twenty years, even two years, who can't even recite the Bible. I feel very sorry for that believer. 
you are like a student who went through um, daycare, went through the crutch, went through the primary school, the secondary school, now in the university. But you can't even count 1 to 100, or you can't even read A to Z. That is what you are like, because a Christian journey is a life of its own. That is why it's called being born again. You were first being born by your father and your mother, all right? Then you have to be now be rededicated to God for what we call a new birth. It doesn't mean your mother and father will get pregnant again and give birth to you, no. But it is called a new birth because the real father, your real father is God. Your real father is God. Your real mother is God. So he, gave, he brought you to this earth through a body form, which is whatever name you are bearing now. Um, I'm seeing Gracie. Let's say that, that her son's name is Adu Yeboah. All right. So Adu Yeboah is her, her son's name. Whoever that gave you that name that brought you to earth was only a channel, was only a caretaker, not your owner. The real owner of you is God. That's your real father. That's your real mother. So after you are born physically, you are allowed to grow. That is why um, infant baptism is wrong. Infant baptism is wrong. It's not by biblical. Baptizing a newborn baby is very wrong because this, the first conception was out of your will. Your mother and your father had intercourse, something happened, and they got pregnant moment, they give birth to you. Anywhere they give birth to you, Ghana, Togo, Burkina Faso, Mali, Sudan, you're on your own. They've born you, they've born you. Which a lot of us, if we are to be given the opportunity to make a choice where we would be born, a lot of us would not want to be born in Ghana or Nigeria or Togo or Kenya or even the family will be born as it were. So now you have a different opportunity when you are now when you are now grown. You have an opportunity now to decide. Okay, now I know that my my real parents are not my biological mother, and my biological father. They were, they were only caretakers. They were only a means of conveyance for me to appear into this earth realm, to have a physical touch with this planet earth. But my real mom and dad is God. God is a father. God is a mother. He's a brother. He's a sister. So now, how do I get back to him? I am born, Bible called the flesh, the corruptible flesh. We are born into a corruptible flesh that have the tendencies to sin. Everybody listening to me, at one time or the other, you have lied, consciously or unconsciously. At one time or the, time or the other, you've gotten angry, you've hated somebody, you've experienced lust and all that. So now, the real father that you gave birth to you on earth here has that tendency. So automatically, you also will have the tendency to also lie, to sin, and to do other things. But your actual father who created you and gave you to this your parents as caretakers has no tendency of lie, has no tendency of sin, has no tendency of anything evil. The Bible said in James that in him 
There is no darkness at all. So now, how do you now carry his lifestyle, his character, his behavior and experience by being born again? Like Nicodemus asked Jesus in John chapter 3, do I have to enter my mother's stomach and I will not come out again as an old man? He said, no. All you need now is to be born of the water and of the spirit. So you have to grow. Now make a decision. Nobody will decide for you. Your father cannot be a Christian for you. Your mother cannot be a Christian for you. You have to now grow. Then you make a decision to say, I want to follow Jesus. By you hearing the word, by you being taught. That is why everybody who is not teaching people the Bible, you are not helping people to go back to their real father. You can't force them, whether you are the father, the mother. All you do is teach them the word, show them the truth, and leave them to make decisions by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Flogging your child that he is not going to church will make him hate God the more. Because the picture of God reveals in the picture of our earthly parents. That is why in Matthew 7, 7 down to verse 10, Jesus used the earthly father to give an example of God. He said, if, you, if your child asks you for fish, will you give a serpent? If he asks you for stone. So how you treat your children, the kind of love you portray to them can show them how loving God can be, whether they will go towards God or they will run from God. So the Christian life is a new journey that requires growth. Are you growing? Have you grown? How long have you been in church? My father would say that if you are 30, you cannot quote 30 scriptures. You are a disaster to Christianity. If you cannot quote scriptures according to your age, you are a disaster to Christianity. That is not a statement of insult, but is a statement of motivation to let you know that your growth should be revealed by the word of God. Why don't you love your Bible? I know you love God. I know you love church. But why? how come till now you have a Bible? I told us this month, let's try and read through the book of John. Most importantly, the book of Proverbs. It will amaze you that there are people listening to me now who have not read chapter 1 of Proverbs since on the first. Today is the third day. So you realize one day you want to quote Bible, it will not come out of you. Um, 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 the book of I know it's so in the Bible it says for God so loved the world listen what you eat is what you vomit nobody eats beans and vomit rice nobody eats bread and vomit yam if you have not eaten the word enough you can't quote it it's not memory verse it's not by uh, what is it called one um, course you are going to write so you cram it in your head so that you can speak it no that's not what it is what you eat is what you vomit. Anybody you see quoting scriptures is somebody who has sat down to study scriptures. And listen, it's not only for pastors. That is what this platform stands for. I'll tell you again and again, I will make the post any day, any time. You will not find the level of commitment we are pushing you with to grow and to stand and to know God for yourself. It will be hard and scarce for you to find it anywhere online. Every prayer platform is after the prayer, after the prophecy. But our major priority here, despite the prophecy and all, 
is your growth. I want people that will stand. I'm glad today there are people who will come to me and say, I pray for my, I want to pray for somebody and the person God healed. I want to preach for somebody and the person is born again. I saw this. They can now see vision. Somebody shared a testimony days ago and said to me, so I didn't know that God's power can be this real and potent. Said so she had lost her vision. I think she said almost, I've forgotten how many years now. I shared it online. Was it 10 years or so? I can't remember. But just a few days online, while I was ministering, I just mentioned her name and she commented that she too had been going through the same thing. We prayed. He said for the first time in years, she can now dream and remember. And some of you will not take dream important, as important as dream is. Your dream is a means of God talking to you. So if you don't dream, you don't remember your dream or your dream is corrupted, you can't hear God well. That is the basic step of hearing the voice of God, dream. So if today somebody wants to kill you, today as you go out, and they have closed your eyes, many of you have been hooded, you have been veiled, that you can't even see things in the spirit. So they've closed your eyes. You know you dreamt, and the dream was not good. You woke up, you can't remember. I dreamt too. I was going somewhere. I saw something like an accident. I don't even understand. You are worried in your spirit, but you can't lay hold on what it is. Suddenly, you wake up and you go out. Accident happened. Then, ah, I said, I, I dreamt so, but you could have escaped it. So this is what spiritual growth and maturity is all about. You standing firm to know God, to know his word, to be able to sense the voice, to be able to sense his direction for your life, to be able to smell good and evil and know where to put everything according to where they belong and for you to be able to help grow others. And I pray that God is going to grant us the grace to grow in the things of the Spirit. May we receive grace to grow in the things of the Spirit. May we receive grace to grow in the things of the Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. So this is not even my teaching this morning. I wish it was. I would have loved to delve deeper into this issue. But we're talking about something differently. According to our team for the month, I like starting the month to um, give us a balance of what we are talking about. Our theme for the month is supernatural supply. Supernatural supply. So in most of the times of this month, you're going to find us praying within this topic, teaching within this topic and discussing within this topic until we grasp the content and the intentions of God concerning this matter for us. And I pray that as even as we teach and we pray, may we receive supernatural supply. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right. Give me a scripture right now. Numbers 11. Numbers 11, 7 to 9. Numbers 11, 7 to 9. I would love you to know that the reason why we are teaching on this subject is not because we just want to talk. It's for you to now tilt your heart, set your desire towards how to achieve the theme for the month. All right. It is very important that we keep that at heart. All right. And the manna was, was as a coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of the bellion. And the people went about and gathered it, and ground it in meals, or beat it in a mortar, and baked it in a pans, and made cakes of it. 
and the taste of it was at the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Now, skip, get me um, from verse 13 now. Get me, ter um, sorry, 31. 31, get me 31, 32. So you see that God gave them manna. I'm sure we've heard this word before, manna. But some of us don't really understand what manna is all about. I will explain in a moment. Get me 31, 32. Okay. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quail. You know quail. Quail is a, a bird. I learned this, this, the bird is very nice. I tried it once. I hated it all my life. I'm no more interested. Quail looks like some baby chicken. Small bird. But land is very rich and very nice. I'm not, I don't like it at all. It looks like molestation. As if you are molesting bird. A very expensive. All right. That's by the way. This is not nutrition class. So, brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side. So, this scripture is talking about the provision God gave to them. You see, when you go to the beach now, you're going to find that the beach, the aisle is very long. Okay? It said the meat God brought for them, the queen, was long that when you stand by the corner of the sea, from the beginning to the end, there was meat. Supernatural provision. From the beginning to the end, there was meat. You find quail, find quail, heaped. All right. So he said, from on this side, as it were, a day's journey. So from morning till evening, one you will walk and walk and walk, sir. There was meat everywhere. There was provision everywhere. My God, my God, my God, my God. All right. Johnny on the, on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were, two cubits high. I don't know if somebody can help me get what is two cubits high in feet. Convert cubits to feet for me. Two cubits high. Get me the figure. Two, um, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. All right. Get me verse 30, uh, 32, then let's proceed. Get me 32. And the people stood up all that day and all the night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. I would love you to take time, go convert. These things are numbers, okay? They are numbers. What is ten homers to um, maybe you can use kg, use kilogram or something, so that you understand what, I wish somebody can help me with this mathematics very fast. Somebody that use your Google, check for me, qubit, convert two qubit to, um, uh, what is it called, feet. Somebody should help me do that very fast. Then 10 homers to kilogram. Let's see what God did for them. Can I get somebody to do that? I suppose to get the answer already now. Convert two qubit to height, or to um, fit, either use height or fit, then convert 10 homers to kilogram. Who is helping me? All right, I think I have to try myself. 
Can you hear me, everyone? Are you following? I said one cub two cubits, you are giving me one. If one cubit is 1.5 meter, then two cubits is now three meters. Right? Two cubits is approximately three, um, three feet, sorry, not meters. Three feet. And three feet is almost, it's above your waist level. An average person is about five feet, they're about five to six feet. So half of you was how high the meat God gave them was. All right? Half of you, half of your waistline is how, how high the meat God lined up for them. Are you getting what I'm trying to point? Are you getting it, please? See, some of you are sleeping already, or you are still snoozing. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Alright, so 10 homers is about 2.2 kiloliter. 10 homers is about 2. .2. 10 homers is about 2.2 kiloliter. So Imagine what everybody gathered, each of them, and what they received. So, in a summary, we're talking about how much God was able to supply to the people to bring them out of hunger and put them in the place of abundance. Now, let's get to the issue of manna. Manna was a supernatural provision from God for his people. Manna was a supernatural provision from God for his people. To date, um, there is still the word, the word manna is still used as a cliche for free food. You want manna. You want manna for heaven. Manna does not just fall like that. And money does not come like manna and all of that. So people have now gotten the understanding that manna can mean a system of provision free provision, supernatural supply. And I pray one more time, God is going to give somebody a supernatural supply this month. In the name of Jesus. The word manna means what is this? The word manna means what is this? That is the actual meaning of manna. Because Israel, when they saw it, number one, they were shocked. Manna is a surprised provision, unexpected provision. You don't even know where to go to, how to start from, what to do. A surprised provision. Manna is what is this because if you read the scripture we read earlier from Numbers um, 11, um, 11 from verse 7, 8, 9. The Bible said when they gathered the manna, they could eat it fresh. They could grind it and use it to make fufu. They could fry the manna and use it to make cake. They could 
use the manner to make stew. One thing could do many things. The manner could create different tastes for them. All right? That was how rich God made manna. Manna could create different tastes. That you can make manna like rice. You can make manna like rice balls. You can make manna some way. It will taste like bees. You can make manna some way. It will taste like granite. So anyhow you wanted manna, manna would respond to you in that manner. Wow. Manna is responding in that manner. So God wants you well. God wants to take care of of his people. God wants you well. You must fix your heart first. Before we talk about supernatural provision, you must first understand that God wants you to be fine. Alright? God wants you to be fine. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to live in good health. Listen, listen. Never be apologetic about your prosperity. Never be apologetic about your well-being. People have a way to make you feel bad. How can you have all this money when there are poor people dying? I don't understand. I'm not against you helping the poor. I'm not against you supporting. But my prosperity does not stop the poor from prospering. So why am I your problem? Why are you driving all these plenty cars when there are um, poor people trekking? I don't understand. I don't understand. Everybody was giving the same mind, the same brain, the same sense, the same 24 hours. So if you are tracking, somebody is driving, the person is not your problem. The person is not your problem. So the first thing you must fix your heart is that God wants you well. Because if you don't believe it, what's going to happen is that you will start blaming God for your strandedness. When you are stranded, you will say God is the one behind it. When you are poor, you will say God knows why. When you are hungry, you will say, God wanted it so. You are sick, you will say, oh, God is the one doing it. When you are dying, you will say, it is not true. It is not true. So you must first of all fix your heart that God wants you well. God wants you well. So every time you begin to go through what is contrary to God's word and God's will, God is not the one doing it. Now, let me give us some things we must do to be able to attract supernatural supply. And the things we must not do to, that we end up stopping the supply in our life. Number one is joy. Somebody say joy. Somebody say joy. Your joy. Your joy. If you want to attract supply from God, please, the first thing you must put in front is joy. The first thing you must put in front of you is your joy. Your joy. Now let's now let's get numbers eleven. Let's get Numbers 11. I've said to us again and again, every time you are sad, you are pushing God away. If you want to keep God close to you, learn to be joyful. Alright? If you want to pull, pull God close to you, learn to live joyful. That is why in the midst of your challenge, in the midst of your fears, in the midst of your worries, 
you must learn to draw joy out. People will now be making statements like, ah, they just said that this thing happened. Why is she happy? Why is she like that? Why is she laughing? Why is she not crying? Because you've learned to find peace in the midst of your crisis. You've learned to find joy in the midst of your pain. And that is how you receive from God. The devil is going to do everything to tear down your joy. Numbers 11 from verse 1. Let's go, let's go. Just give me verse 1, verse 1. Numbers 11, verse 1. And if you are the kind of person who is always sad, you are possessed. Why are my scriptures and my response today very slow? Admins, help me, help me, help me. Let me repeat what I said. No apology. If you are somebody who is always sad, you are possessed. You need deliverance. Every week, you are, you are sad. You are having mood swing. Every week, you are sad. You are crying. Every week. There's no week that passed that you are not sad. You need deliverance. Pastor, that's not the problem. The problem is, I don't have money in my house. No, not having money shouldn't make a Christian live in sadness. What happened is that you don't have money, you became sad, your sadness opened the door for the demon of sadness to come and sit. So now it has become a consistent thing. And do you get, do you get, do you get what I'm just trying to say? You being broke made you stay in a sad position. So you being sad opened the door and the demon in charge of sadness has now sat in your life. So your sadness has now become a consistent thing. So you can't control your joy by yourself anymore. So if you are joyful, you realize you are only joyful when you are in the midst of people. You are only joyful when something happens, um, somebody just gives you money. But outside that, you live sad. You, that's why depression and suicide is not of God. A demon is behind it. Uh, but no, what if a boy broke his heart? A demon is behind you and the boy. The demon is behind it. Argue with it at your own risk. Can I get my scripture? I've told you my own. So if you realize you're always sad, better go for deliverance now. Help yourself. And deliverance is not always putting hand on your head out, out, you fall and you stand up. No. Deliverance is a change of state. Okay? It's a change of state, change of mindset, change of behavior, change of character. They are all deliverance. All right. He said, and the, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. So before God began to ever bring provision to them, there was a problem. Everybody began to complain. Everybody began to murmur. What is going on? We have not even eaten since morning. We don't have food and this, that, and this, that. I thought God should be able to see that they were hungry, then give them food. But instead, their murmuring made God angry and God killed them. So what you are going through is not as, as important as how you approach what you are going through. Your approach to your situation is more important than your situation. Whether you will come out of it now or you will die inside is all dependent on your approach. Instead of them to do what to use to bring joy or to bring answer, they rather murmured and the next thing was issues. It brought death. Never lose your joy, I beg you. Never lose your joy. 
Never lose your thanksgiving. This morning as you woke up, did you remember to say thank you, Jesus? Or, ow, my head again. My stomach. Ow, no food again. That's not the best way to live. In all times, lift your voice and say thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Get me Philippians 4 verse 4. Then Psalm 16, 11. Very quick, get one. We are done. Get the other. Philippians 4 verse 4. Never lose your joy. Listen, a lot of things are going to come to shake it off. Look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This was Paul's um, prescription for every kind of situation. He said, I'm going to give you a tablet for what you are going through. And one of the tablets you use is rejoice. In fact, rejoice means you've done it before. It's for you to repeat. The tablet is joy. So when you come again, what do I do? Rejoice. When you come again, what do I do? Repeat the same tablet again. Repeat the same tablet again. Increase the dose. Maybe the first dose you use was not enough. Add more doses. Now that's what Paul is saying. Psalm 16 verse 11. Psalm 16 verse 11. Somebody should help me this morning. Help me this morning. I quoted it earlier. I thought somebody had kept it. That means wake up in Jesus' name. Thou will show me the power of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. So you see why I say, if you are always sad, you are possessed. Look at this scripture. The Bible doesn't lie. In God's presence, when you are in front of God, one of the signs, you see, have you seen people, maybe you are part of it, very possible. Or let's say, let, let us get into the presence of God now. Let's get into the mood of worship. Let's get into the prayer. See, people will not frown their face, get serious. Why someone begin to G, start uh, acting jittery? Charlie, calm down. The Holy Ghost is not pepper soup. The Holy Ghost is not winter. The Holy Ghost is not winter. One of the proof that you are in the presence is joy, not frowning your face. It's not getting serious. Right now, let's get into God's presence. Let's be serious now. No, that's not God's presence. <laughs> I know somebody is being religious now, so you are missing it. You are not getting you're not getting what I'm saying. You're not getting what I'm saying now. So you are being religious, like ah, and but well. The presence of God is not pepper soup. It's not winter. It's not Amatan. Let's get into God's presence. Everybody will now fold their hand. Now act pious and solemn. Now frown their face. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my father. No, 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 no. He said the response, the proof, my God. I wish somebody is learning something new this morning. The proof that God is here is that I'm joyful. Woo! I choose joy. So when we declare, I, I choose joy every day, do you know what we are doing? Do you know what we are doing? 
Every time we declare, I choose joy, we are saying, God, more of your presence. We are activating more of the presence. We are activating more of the atmosphere of Jesus. That is why it said to us, when you make this declaration, I choose joy, let there be a physical reaction. You don't do your face like 8 p.m. I choose joy with your serious face, no, no smiling, no shout, nothing. I choose, no, 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 no. That's not your, I choose joy. There must be a response. There must be a response. Something must propel out of you in response to the joy that you choose. There must be a response. Why are you so happy? I choose joy. <laughs> I thought you said you lost your job, your job yesterday. Yeah, I lost my job. So why are you happy? I choose joy. I would have cried. I would have, I would have choose, just decided to be depressed, but I choose joy. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. You can begin to practice the presence of Jesus by choosing to be happy. Let me repeat what I said again in case you did not hear me earlier. If you are always sad, you are possessed by a demon. If you are always sad, you are possessed by a demon. Go for deliverance. I don't care your excuse. I don't, I believe God's word more than your excuse. I don't care your excuse. If you are always sad, you are possessed. Can I get back that scripture? The word possessed simply means something else is, is in control of you. That's what it means. That's what you are now thinking. Ah, so does it mean I'm now a witch or a wizard? Just come out of that sadness, then you will, you will know. So in his presence is fullness of joy. Now look at the next thing that follow. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The word pleasure there could summarize supply and provision. So joy stays around abundance and plenty. If you want to find abundance, if you want to find plenty, please look for joy. If you want to locate where abundance is, look for where joy is. Stay, if you stay there for long, well enough, very soon, you're going to realize scarcity and lack will begin to disappear. That is why people are happy when they have, because there is something. But that is not the right way as a Christian. You should be happy to attract what you want to have, not having first before you become happy. If you get it, let me know you got it. You should be happy to have, not to have, to be happy. In the world, in the world that we live in, people are, they have to be happy. But according to the word of God, you need to be happy for you to have. Bible says in the book of Isaiah, that with joy shall you draw out of the well of salvation. You see, those of you who grew up where they have a well, those of you that grew up where they have a well, that they used to pull out water. There's always this bowl. I don't know if he has another name. Bowl or a cup or something that you used to th you throw into the well. And it, it sinks in and you pull it out. You pull it out. And when you pull it out, it comes out with water. So that cup or that bowl that you are using to pull out water, that is what joy is to you. Get me Isaiah 12 verse 3. Isaiah 12 verse 3. That bowl 
They used to pull out water. That is what joy is. Every time you are joyful, you are using that bowl. And when you begin to do the things that we bring it out by making decrees in joy, you begin to pull out things that you don't have. Look at, look at it here. Therefore, with joy, shall ye draw out of the well of salvation. You want prosperity? It's in the well of salvation. You want good health? It is in the well of salvation. You want um, safety? It is in the well of salvation. But there is one way to draw it. Joy. Joy. Your complaint will rather kill you. Your complaint will put you in trouble. Your complaint will make life difficult for you. Joy. I know things are hard, but I choose joy. I know the economy is crushing down, but I choose joy. I know I've not paid my rent yet, but I choose joy. I know I'm not married yet. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Have you ever seen somebody frowning and you like the person? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Have you ever liked someone's, someone's frown? Their face, when they frown, they now look very lovely and attractive. No. So now, you are a single lady trusting God to get married. There's no man in your life. So because of that, you are sad. Do you know what you're doing? You would rather chase the possibility of any man coming your way. Alright? You will end up chasing the possibility. Because people come around you, they realize that you are bitter. You are sad. Listen, I know a guy broke your heart. He's gone. Let him go. Move on with your life. Choose joy. So that the next person that comes, you will not even look like what you went through. When the next person comes, they feel like, do you know? Try to practice it. Look at your mirror. Frown your face looking at your mirror and check how you look. You, you, people will always respond based on how you appear. Except the person have another knowledge. When somebody look at you smiling, your response to the person's smile is your smile. When somebody look at you smiling, your response to that smile is that you too begin to smile. You get it? So, cre create joy. This thing is contagious. It's contagious. Joy stays around abundance. Abundance lives inside joy. So if your problem is finance, look for joy. Your problem is health, look for joy. Anything the problem is, look for joy. Yeah. You don't need to have to be happy. Be happy to have. That is the logic. That is the principle. So because of murmuring, God gave them food in anger. So the scripture we read earlier, get me numbers now. Oh God, help me. My time is running out. Numbers 11. Numbers um, 11. Let's go to 18. Numbers 11. Let's go to 18 to 23. Because they murmured, God gave them food. Look at this now. And say unto and say unto and say thou unto the people, sanctify yourself against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh, for ye have wept. Don't forget from verse one the moment. So look at what God did now. For ye shall eat flesh. So we read this part now. God brought brought provision to them, but there was something that went wrong. For ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Let's go, let's go, let's go. 
We're taking down to 23. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it come out of your nostril. Charlie, reading this alone tells you that something is wrong. God said, okay, I will give you food. But the food that we give you, you will eat until it will come out of your nose. If somebody promised to feed you until the food come out of your nose, won't you run? What kind of food is that? You will eat until it comes out of your nostril. Why? Because they were, they were reacting against God and the things of God. Alright, let's read on. And verse 20. But even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you because that you have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? Let's go to 23. We're reading down to 23. Listen, I don't know where you are listening to me. I don't know where you are listening to me. Until you learn and change your approach, you might end up rem remaining a reproach to God. Oh, I'm sad. Can't you see what I'm going through? Can't you see this? It doesn't change what you are going through. And Moses said, then said, said, the people among them whom I am are six hundred thousand footmen. Thou say, I will give them flesh. So Moses was asking God, how do you expect to feed 600,000 men? How do you expect to feed 600,000 men? All right. Shall the flocks, verse 22, shall the flocks, and the head be slain for them to suffice them, or shall all the fish All right, my line is back. Let's read on. Verse 20, 22. It says, Shall the flocks and flocks and the head be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? Verse 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand washed short? Is the Lord's hand wide shut? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. So I want to ask somebody online now listening to me. Is God's hand too short that you can't trust God anymore? 
Is God's hands too short? Where are, where are you that God cannot reach? Okay. Ah, okay, I understand now. You are in Ghana. You know Ghana is far from heaven. If God stretches his hand there, he can't reach Ghana. So, um, you can't receive anything. God can't help you. Let's forget your case. Oh, okay, uh, maybe you are in... Um, you know, um, if you get to Ghana now, maybe you have to enter the border from... Uh, uh, if you are by road, maybe you have to enter from the Volta. So, you, you are in uh, the Brogahafo region or the Ashanti region or the north. So, there's no hope. Or maybe you are in Volta and God is coming from... Um, the Burkina Faso area. So he's using the, the border from um, the Brogahafo area and all of that. So where you, where you are is too far. Okay, maybe you are in Russia. Ah, you know God's hand can't... Listen, this question is left for you to answer and now decide whether to trust God or to keep living in that your character of unbelief whether to trust God or to keep living in that your character of complaint. He said to Moses, is my hand too short? What are you saying? Is my hand too short? So what God is saying is that what I'm looking for is in my hand. What you are looking for is in my hand. It is me that will give it to you, not you. So now why are you acting like I can't give it? Why are you acting like I can't give it to you? One of the things that kills us that kills our faith and our belief is time frame. It's one thing that kills us. There are other things that follow. Time frame. I've given God two weeks. If it does not come, then God is not God. Yeah, boy. If God comes two weeks, God doesn't come. Oh, he's still God. I've given God this year. If I don't get married, then God is not God. Charlie, if you don't get married next 10 years, God doesn't change. You see, my father is sick. If he dies, then I'll stop going to church. Sure. The earlier you decide to love God and to follow God and to obey God despite anything the best for you. Psalm 115 verse 3, he said, our God is in heaven. He doeth whatever he please. Our God is in heaven. He doeth whatever he please. Now give me the same um, numbers um, 11. Let's go to 31 to 33. My time is out already. Numbers 11, 31 to 33. When I see people complain and murmur, oh, I detest, I don't hate them, I detest that character. I begin to run far from you. I don't care to know your age in Christ, your position, whether you're a pastor, you're a member, as somebody who murmurs, complains. I begin to push you far, very fast, because this thing is contagious. That's the risk. It's contagious. He said, and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey by a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all day and all night, and all the, all the next day, and they gathered the quails, and he that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And what, look at this verse 33 now. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote them with a great plague. So the food God brought to them killed them. Do you know why? Because they complained. So God said to them, oh, you think my hand is too small? You see, most of you, eh, 
See, God can give you what will kill you. Ah, Pastor, what are you saying? Yes, let me repeat. God can give you what will kill you. Ah, but Pastor, you just said that God is a good God, that God does not do, uh, do anything bad or does not give anything bad. Yeah, I said it, and I it's this stance. But the moment you now begin to force the hand of God against the will of God, you will receive what will kill you. Oh God, I want to marry John. I want to marry John. And God is saying, this guy called John, I'm seeing that in the next 10 years, this guy is going to lose his job. He will become a drunkard. And he will become, there is, a, there is an inherent tendency for him to beat women. It, it, is, it runs in their family line. But right now, John has a Bentley. John has nice swag. He has his pack. He has some nice hairline. He has a good job in an oil company. He goes to Dubai twice in a year. He goes to Hawaii three times in a year, he goes to Barbados once in a year, he goes to, he takes all kind of vacations, so uh, if you don't marry John now, and God keep giving you signals, say, this guy, there's something, God, if you don't give me John, I will die, if you know you love me, give me John, by fire, you sow seed, you fast and do everything, God will give it to you, but do you know what, he just gave you your debt, he just gave you your debt, I remember I was praying for a woman who had a miscarriage, the first time I've seen such thing in my life, she had a miscarriage. She was pregnant of two. But she gave birth. One was miscarried. Another one was pregnant of two. When she gave birth, it was only one. She couldn't understand what was going on. Scan showed two. I'm giving birth. Only one is coming out. What is the problem? And while I began to pray, God showed me that the enemy have already struck one of the child. And she said, yes, that the child... Doc, there was a medical report that the child had some kind of disease. I said, God, God saw that this child would have destroyed your life. I, I, can't, I don't remember the whole story very well. But at the end, it was one. Another person had miscarriage. God said, that child would have been a problem to the family, wasted their money, wasted their resources. Now, the Bible said, children are heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Every child is a gift from God. Okay? Every child is a gift from God. But now, this is where the problem is. So, Pastor, what happens? My neighbor gives, gave birth and the child was born blind. The child was born uh, deaf. The child was born with autism. You see, you see, take whatever medical report you like for yourself. Safe journey. Oh, you see, autism is caught by um, chromosome, mammosome, papozone, simosome. No problem. I agree. Uh, you see, when somebody is born blind, it's because the womb was not able to. I agree. No problem. The Bible said every good and perfect gift cometh from God. So now, from the day of conception to the day of delivery, something was tempered. From the day of conception to the day of delivery, somebody tempered with something. I'm not saying that there are no medical means and explanation to all these things, but I'm telling you from the hand of God, when God brought it out, God brought a good gift to you. When God gave you, God gave a good gift to you. But from the conception to delivery, somebody taught something. Somebody spoiled something. Somebody moved something. That is why you must stay with God to secure what God brings to you. So at the end, you said, let the will of God be done. Are you serious? Are you serious? Let's get back to our, our, our topic. Joy. 
God hates murmuring. When you become somebody who is always sad, demanding things from God as if God is dead, as if God's hand is too short, God can end up giving you things that will put you in trouble. John 6 verse 11. John 6 11. Oh God, I want a job. God, I want a job. And you are specific where you want the job. You are not even asking God, God, do you want this job for me? No, it's not your business. Too. It's not your business. Oh, I applied for the best um, uh, oil company. They rejected me. Oh, pastor, is God still, does God still love me? Are you sure? Are you sure your God is still at work? Are you sure your God is still? Are you serious? And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Jesus gives thanks to multiply five loaves of bread and two fishes. <laughs> so we don't understand how funny this is. It was too small to eat. First of all, it was too small to eat. If it was only the disciples, it wouldn't even be enough because they were 12 plus Jesus 13. So it wouldn't be enough. So what are you thanking God for? I know you are missing the point now. There's somebody listening to me. Your account balance now is 50 Ghana cities. The only food in your house now is Gary. You have debts all around you. But you still have a job. You still have a small income, income coming. Hear me? We can multiply it. I said we can multiply it. What did I say? We can multiply it. And how do we multiply it? Joy. Joy. You know what we are waiting for now? Take it. I decree. Take it. If you are not joyful, then take it. We not take anything. That is the problem. We can multiply it. Father, thank you. Thank you for this 50 Ghana cities. Oh, I'm blessed. I have more than enough. Thank you, Lord. I am blessed. And do you know what? You have a dream to own a car. You have a dream to own a car. I am blessed. Thank you for this 50 Ghana cities. My car is coming. My car is coming. And somebody asks you, so which car? And you go to a car shop where they sell car. You go there and you look at the very nice Maserati. You look at the very nice Benz. You look at the very nice Hyundai. You look at the nice um, Toyota, whatever that it is you want. And after looking at the car, you price it. Okay, this is the deal you negotiated. And the deal was a good deal. In fact, you won't find it anywhere. So the devil has not put you in a place you see your life now. The person has okay, well, let's pay. Um, I'm coming. He's all these people that come to price can they cannot afford and all of that. And you walk away. While you are still there declaring, I have joy. This car is coming. I have joy. Suddenly, God can just speak to somebody somewhere and say, hey, that car that you just got is not your car. Go and give that car to my daughter. Her name is this. Her phone number is this. Her address is this. How, how much did you buy the car? Can somebody talk to me? How much did you buy that car? I think online is not helping me teach this thing the way I want to teach it. So let me just flow with my teaching. Let me just flow with my teaching. You bought the car with 50 Ghana CDs plus joy. I've lived like this more than, more than, I, I don't know how, how long to put it. You bought the car with 50 Ghana CDs plus joy. I don't know what you have that is not enough. We can multiply it. We can multiply it. 
we can multiply it. Suddenly, you go out and all you had was just 10 cities. Joyful, joyful. You enter the car, you know that this cow, this money you, you are having now, it's your next feeding. It's inside that 10 Ghana cities. So you enter a car, which you have to even pay for the car, and it's about 8 Ghana cities and all of that and all of that. Suddenly you are at the car, suddenly you meet somebody, an old friend. Hey, how are you doing? And all of that. Hey, long time. You are just smiling. Hey, you are looking sharp. Oh, we thank God. Oh, ah, you. Everything is fine. No, hey. And, and the next thing, the person said, don't worry, I'll pay for your transport. Don't worry, I'll pay for your transport. What did he use to pay that transport? Joy. Joy. He said, if we trust God enough, God will show us how, how much he can take care of us. And one of the signs that you trust God is that you are joyful in the midst of circumstances. If you are Jesus, eh? You know the, the mindset of the people who were watching Jesus. You say your father is God. You have power. You have all the miracles. And that yet, you don't even have bread and fish. You are collecting a little boy's loaf of bread and fish. What kind of Jesus are you? If you are Jesus, you should have had enough. If you have, a, listen, listen, let me say this to us. If you have everything every day, eh? everything every day is just sweet and smooth and fine. How do you want your faith to be revealed? Because every faith must be tested. It must not be money. It must not be married. It must not be held. Every faith that is true must be tested. Faith is elastic in nature. There were days when my faith couldn't heal the sick. There were faith when, days when my faith couldn't bring miracle money. There were days when my faith couldn't bring people into a certain dimension. My faith was small. But because of the things I went through, because of the things I trusted God for, the elasticity of my faith was now revealed. My faith was stretched to the best of its capacity. And today, I can pull out anything, anywhere, anytime, because my faith is intact. Faith is elasticity. It's elastic in nature and can only be stretched in the means of challenges. You must have a testimony of your faith if you say you are a Christian. And these testimonies will not come until there are trials. It's one of the reasons why God allows us to go through process. So you are somebody who have a rich family, rich uncles, rich friends. Now you are sad. My uncle is not helping me. My auntie is not helping me. Sometimes it's not because your auntie or your uncle really hates you. God wants you to trust him. Abraham, Genesis 14. Abraham said, let no man say that I made Abraham rich. Let God be the one to take the glory. You must have a testimony of your faith. Listen, listen, be careful of people who have never believed God for anything or they cannot believe God for anything. Be careful of them in your Christian journey. Let them be your friend if you want. That's fine. But be careful of them when it comes to the subject of trusting God. Don't trust them. People who have never, if they want this, their mother will bring it. If they want this, their father will bring it. Everything is at their toes. I'm not saying, I'm not, 
advertising or advocating now for poverty or scarcity. But I'm saying people who they don't they can't even hurt their toes. Somebody just carrying them, they can't have it. Check a lot of rich children. Check a lot of rich children. You can teach your children fit even inside abundance. I'm not saying you have to show them poverty to now prove to them that God um, is powerful or there's faith. No, you can teach them faith in the midst of abundance, but not allowing them to see faith. They will take their focus off God and put their focus on you. And one day, the day they will need God and money can't save them, you won't be there. So trouble will start. Be careful of anybody. Who can't believe God for anything? Be careful. There are many of you, what has killed your faith now is comfort. What has killed your faith is provision. You used to trust God for healing. You used to trust God for healing. You are, you are sick, you pray and God will heal you. You are this, you pray and you'll be fine. There are people around you who are not fine. You pray for them, they get fine. But do you know what you do now? The moment somebody gets sick, the next thing you do is to prescribe a drug. Yeah, just prescribe it. You just give them money to go and buy some medicine. No, no faith again. No prayer. Doesn't matter. Why should you say when you can just and um, just do this thing? Be careful. Particularly those of you who are medical personnel, we I believe so much in drugs and all of that and everything. But listen, there is also the place of faith. There's the place of faith, and the God in you will not walk as you like, but he will only work as you see him. The God in you will not work as you like. The God in you will work the way you see him and the way you know him. Ephesians 30 verse 20, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think. Well, look at there's still a clause. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think, but that's not the end. He said, according to the power that worketh in you. That word power there speaks of your dimension of knowledge of God. I wish somebody is posting the scripture for me. The level of your knowledge of God, how much of God that you have received is how much God will function. If you don't, that's why I began this teaching by saying that you must believe and understand that God wants you well. If you don't believe that God wants you rich, you can't receive riches from God. If you don't believe that God can heal you, you can't receive healing. I remember somebody um, was trusting God. They just got married, trusting God for a baby. And uh, they came to me and said, I should pray for them for the fruit. And I was like, is there any medical report? They said, no. I said, so why are you coming for prayer? You guys are just married less than a year. So why are you worried? And I didn't know why. It's already more. I said, it can happen. I said, you have gotten a medical report then. We can now, so go to hospital, I won't pray. I didn't pray, I sent them away. They went for checkup, and obviously they said the woman is having some um, tube blockage, or whatever they would call it. So they now came sad and lukewarm and some kind of this thing, and while they were talking, I asked the woman, I said, do you believe that God can heal you and give you a baby? She said, no. Ah, a Christian. I asked again, do you believe that God can heal you and you can get pregnant? He said, no. I asked the third time, she said, no. I had to start convincing, talking, talking, talking. She now managed to say yes. I said, okay. And we prayed. I said, go back. I gave her that. I said, go back to the hospital in two weeks. She went back in two weeks, came back. And she came back this time smiling. 
He said the tube has been unblocked. There's no more blockage. Right now, she's pregnant. She should be giving birth this month. Yeah, she should be giving birth this month. So, according to the power that worketh in you, according to the power, the, the knowledge of God in you is how much God will work for you. How do you know God? Listen, you can be looking for a baby, you just believe God, but you don't know what God can do. I wish there's a better way for me to pass on what I'm, I'm explaining into your brain. You can be looking for a job, you can be looking for money. Oh, and you believe God. Yeah, I receive it, amen. I receive it. But you don't know what God can do and how much God can do what he can do. You don't know. So at the end of the day, you realize that your answers keep being delayed. You realize that your results keep being delayed. You realize that your testimonies keep being delayed. And you now say, God is not in faith. I thought they say God is powerful. I thought they say God is good. So why am I like this? Do you know what God can do? And your knowledge of what God can do starts from how much scriptures you have eaten concerning that topic. That's why I say to us, anything you want, go and look for scriptures on that topic. Anything you want, look for scriptures around that thing. A lot of scriptures about that. Start meditating. Don't just read them. Oh, um, he said in the book of Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs. Oh, God, supply. Oh, God, supply. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, supply. Supply. Oh, God. No, no, no. You are joking. You are a comedian. My God. What is mine? You have to sit and meditate. What is mine? Okay, mine means personal. Who is God? Because there are many gods. But this one now, which God is this? Okay, it's talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's talking about the God of our fathers, the God of provision, the one that created the heavens and the earth. So he's so rich that he owns heaven, he owns earth, he owns Ghana, he owns America, he owns everywhere. Okay, so he's God. So why did they add mind to the God? Oh, 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 so it means that God can be personal to me, not general to us. Okay, so I can have my God and we can have our God. Okay, then supply. What is supply? Supply means to bring to give. So that means my God. So you break it down according to his riches in glory. What is glory? Riches means, I know riches means money, car, house, every material thing. So what is glory? Okay, so God have a place called glory. So could glory be warehouse? Could glory be a bank of God? Could glory be a savings account of God? Oh, so that means God have one savings account called glory. Eh. So when I need things that God can supply from there. Okay, so if you are not seated and settled in this thing, Charlie, forget answer. You can have plenty scripture, receive plenty prophecy, forget answer. It must be settled. The power at work in you, the level of knowledge in you about God. And when you analyze that scripture, you're going to realize that prayer, Paul was actually praying for the Philippian church because he said, he said again and again, read from verse 10 to 13. He said again and again, you are the one that communicated to me about giving. It was you, that only you, that communicated to me about giving when I went to do my missionary work. You sent me seed, you sent me seed, you sent me, even when I did not ask, even when I have, you still sent me. Even when this person was coming, you gave him some things to bring for me. Then Paul now was provoked and prayed, my God. 
So you analyze it, you go through, okay, glory means this, God means this, mine means this. Okay, so how come Paul only prayed this prayer for the Philippian church? We did not find that prayer in Galatians. We did not find it in Romans. We did not find the prayer in uh, Hebrew. We did not find the prayer in Thessalonians. That means it was only Philippian church that prayed, that gave to Paul. Okay, so that means giving can also help provoke supply. Okay, I see. Then you now wake up, you begin to declare and begin to apply the principles. Suddenly, something breaks loose. But what do we do? We carry one scripture. Just carry it. Oh my gosh, I supply. My gosh, I supply. You don't know the God. You have no personal covenant with God. You don't know what glory is. You don't know what riches is. You don't know who Jesus is. You've not done the principle that followed it. My gosh, I supply. My gosh, I supply. So at the end of the day, you say, I've been believing God since. It didn't work. It didn't work. Your knowledge about God is very important in how you receive and what you will receive. Your knowledge about God is very important in how you receive and in what you will receive. Number two, was he talking about supernatural supply? Is somebody following at all? Are you following? Are you following? My time is already out, but let me try and finish um, this. Number two is the right company. If you must provoke supernatural supply, number one, I said joy. Your joy is in control. Number two is the right company. The right company. Get me the same numbers 11. Numbers 11. Let's read four to six. Numbers 11, four to six. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Okay. This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath. Numbers 11, 4 to 6, not Numbers 4, verse 4. Ah, I saw Kohath, I was shocked. And the mixed multitude, watch this now. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the people of Israel also wept again. So now, in verse 1, Israel wept. They murmured and God sent fire and killed them. Now, it's fine, it's fine. It, they began and they said the missed multitude. So that means the missed multitude was not Israel. There were people in their midst who were not Israelites. That is what the scripture is saying. So they wept and they triggered the children of Israel. So who you spend time with matter. Listen, let me repeat what I said before. If you are somebody who is always sad, you always complain. You can't be close to me. I don't care to know how gifted you are, how anointed you are, how long you have known me. You can't be close to me. This thing is magnetic. You're always sad. You're always complaining. You're always speaking evil of people. Every time you come, oh, one person will have done something bad to you. Every You can't, you can't be close. You can't be. Because very soon I will become like you. And I'm telling you to do the same thing. Mark them. Mark them. Whether it's your best friend or I don't care. Mark them. It could even be your father. I had a time I didn't talk to my mom for a, for a while. Because every time I called her, there was one complaint. I wonder one day. I said, the next time I call you, you complain. You won't hear from me for a while. You're like, oh, what are you saying? I'm just trying to explain to you. I said, no. No, that's not how it works. So from that day, she now realized that, okay, I don't want to take things in this contest. 
She will come and like, you and this is your pastor, 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 pastor. But she's very careful. There are things she wants to say, say, hey, I would have said it too, but I know that you will now react. You will now come and put me in trouble. So, okay, since you know I will react, then don't say it. Because it is detriment to my faith. And most of you don't see the importance. Oh, is it not your mother? Is it not your father? Your father can kill your faith. Your mother can kill your faith. Your husband can kill your faith. Your wife can kill your faith. Your child can kill your faith. So this is not a family affair. It is my relationship with God. It's what matters to me first. Because if I lose God, I'm useless to you. So the mixed multitude, be careful of the mixed multitude. Who do you talk with at work? Who advises you? I know you go to church. You are going today. Who is your friend in church? The one that always talks against the man of God. That is your friend. And you expect to get blessing in that church. Who is your friend in church? The one that always talk against giving. I don't mind them. Don't mind them. Tight again. Tight. Are you not seeing the shoe? Look at the shoe. That shoe. I tell you that shoe online. No? 11,000 Ghana cities. How did he get the money? Carry tight. Tight. You people should be giving. Be fooling yourself. Let them be enriching themselves. That is your best friend though. That is your best friend. I heard a story of a woman years ago in Kaduna when Bishop Oyedipo was still um, coming up in ministry. He was driving a beetle car then. At the close of service, people will have to come and join to push the beetle to start. So he will be declaring, I can never be poor. My God is not a poor God. If you see me poor, you know that he's not God. And while he was preaching that one day, a woman seated in the service said, look at him, poor pastor. We'll just be saying what is naughty, saying what he doesn't know. After service, we are the one that will come and help him to come and push his beetle now. Look at the kind of shoe that he's wearing. Inside the church, the woman said it to another woman and she laughed and all of that. The other woman did not respond. Shopoedipo had left Kaduna, come to Lagos, built Canaan City, grew over about 20 years. The woman had no child for that 20 years. She was still barren. One day, she met a prophet who said to her, years ago, you made a comment in a church in Kaduna. A man of God was preaching about prosperity and you mocked him. He said, that is why God has shut your womb. Go and look for that man of God. Confess publicly and apologize and let him pray for you. The woman had to trace, look for how to. Now the man of God is big. The man of God is grown. Even to find him was a problem. But she tried and everything. At the end of the day, she was able to get access. She had to come to Shiloh to come and confess on the altar. And look at what she said. Look at what she did and all of that. And Bishop prayed. That was how she got pregnant and gave birth. So 20 years of her life was wasted because of what she said from her mouth. Who is your friend? Who is the mixed multitude in your life? Who are they? Who are you carrying around? That whatever they say is what you think, is what you believe, whether it's true or a lie. You need the right company. You must enjoy provision. Make friends with those that know God. Make friends with those that can pray. Make friends with those that can study their Bible. Make friends that do with those who, when they are talking to you, they can give you a reference. Yeah, you see, your Bible said according to um, this scripture, this scripture. That's the kind of friends you need. That's the kind of friends you need. Can we read that scripture again? Can you get back that scripture? 
I wish we have a lot of time. We're going to continue this probably next week. We're going to continue or tomorrow. I don't know when. Can I get back that scripture? Numbers 11 from verse 6, from verse 4, sorry. So, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lost thing, and the children of Israel wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, and the cucumber, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. So you see the manner they once enjoyed, now they are commonizing it because of the mixed multitude. What were they crying for? Cucumber. You see idiots. You see idiot people. People that God brought out of Pharaoh's bondage, crossed the Red Sea. What was their complaint? Cucumber, garlic, watermelon, uh, onion. And most of you, you think you are different. Too. You are not different too. You that almost died a few years ago, God saved you. Do you know what you are crying for now? That you are blaming God for the house rent. You that God, you told God, God, hey, if you can save me from this problem, I will not sin again. You have not repented, though. But you are blamed to God now. A man broke your heart. Is why you are blaming God now. You that, you have, you've gone through things, you thought it would be the end of your life. God brought you out of it. Now you're complaining that you don't have a job. You are not only complaining, you are now bitter to God. If God is alive, where is he? I won't pray again. I won't go to church again. I will no more work in the department. I will no more be a titan. Since I've been titan. What the same you, the same you, the same you that God brought out of the hand of Pharaoh, packet the Red Sea now. Cucumber, watermelon, onion, and garlic is more important than that God to you. What an ungrateful set of people. And it has not changed. T is still so. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. God show us mercy. So Israel did not start to complain again because they loved it, but because the people they took along brought the idea. So the mixed multitude then, that scripture, were friends who they were living, neighbors who they were living with house help. While they were in Egypt, their friends, their neighbors, their help, who they were close to. So okay, God has told us to go. We are going to a beautiful place, a land. So let's join you now. Let's follow. Those were the mixed multitude. They followed them, and they now became their problem. Listen, let your conviction about God be very strong because it will be tested one day. One day you will meet the missed multitude. Some will come as a pastor. Some will come as a prophet. Some will come and say, one day you will meet them. Let your conviction about God be so strong. Don't be tossed with all wind of doctrine. Today you believe offering. Tomorrow you don't believe offering. Today you believe fasting. One man of God tell you me, I have never fasted in my life. Immediately you stop fasting. Today you believe tithing. Tomorrow you now see a big man of God you know. I have never, if you follow, I don't know what they call this guy that does one and this thing like that. Paul, a journalist in Ghana, very popular on Facebook. Recently he had he, 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 he interviewed Dr. Eber Damina. And if you follow Dr. Eber Damina's teaching, he has said that titan is this, titan is false. But when you go back to religion to that teaching, Paul asked him, so are you against titan? He said, no. Go watch the interview there. So what are you now saying? He said, actually, the New Testament church did not give 10%. 10% is too small for God. They gave 100%. So we should outgrow 10%. So if you are somebody who follows every kind of teaching, 
anything you see on Facebook, as, as long as the man of God has a big name, has a big church, you don't care about the word of God anymore. You follow. Not knowing what the man of God was actually conversing for is that 10% is too small. So you that cannot give 10% comfortably have now stopped giving your tent, your tent, you have stopped your blessing because of one person's statement. The person is not looking for 100%. So what happened to your brain? What is missing is your conviction. Your conviction. Your con go back, go, go and watch the interview, go there and watch it. What the Bible removed in New Testament is the fear. Don't give tight out of fear. Oh, if I don't give that now, it will devour us. If I, are they devour us? Yes. Do they happen? Yes. Can they stop you? Yes. But don't give your tithe because of devour. Give tithe out of love and obedience to God. Why am I giving my tithe? Yeah, I don't want devour. Charlie, you're not a Christian. So what if you are now told that there are no devourers? That means you stop tithing. If you are now told now there are no devourers, then you stop tithing. But when it's out of love, whether devourer or no devourer, I love God. That's why I'm giving my tithes. I'll give my first fruit in January, not because I'm afraid that if I don't give it, something will happen, which that is possible. But I'm giving, I love God too well for me not to obey what he said. So now, if you are not convinced, if there is no conviction in you, if you are now told that there is nothing like heaven or hell, will you still live righteous or you think you will not have liberty to sin. That's how far your conviction can go. If they tell you now there is nothing like heaven, nothing like hell, once you die, everybody just go, nothing. You just become an ancestor or there is heaven, there's nothing like hell. So even the end, you will not go to hell. Will you still, so you do what you do, okay, I won't sin because I love God. I will not lie or steal because I love God. Not because I'm afraid of hell. So you don't follow Jesus. And some of you are like that too. If they ask you now, why are you a Christian? I want to go to heaven. So everything you do is not because you love God, because you are afraid of the torment. You don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You need to be born again, again. You don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Let your conviction about God be very strong. Joseph knew what was right. He said to um, um, Potiphar's wife, he said, if I do this, not you now, I don't want to sin against my God. I don't care about you. You, dear, I will finish you right now. I will just finish you rough, rough. But for the sake of God, don't think I don't have sexual experience. So that's what Joseph was saying. I have sexual experience. I know what sex is. But because of God, because of God, Daniel had every opportunity for him to lose God, for him to mess up. But Daniel said, because of my God. Because of my God. Because of my God. If what we do is not God conscious, and if it is God conscious, it will be love backed. If it is God conscious, it will be backed up by God. If all we do is not God and love conscious, then it's not real. It's not real. If your conviction on God is not strong, there are many suggestions that will look like it and you will embrace it. If your conviction about God is not strong, there are many things that will look like it and you will escape it. You can marry for any reason. 
because your conviction is not kingdom driven. You can marry for any reason. You can marry anybody. Oh, this guy is tall. This guy is short. I want short girls. I want tall girls. Not knowing that there is a kingdom conviction for marriage. If your conviction is not strong, you can get a visa anywhere and just travel anyhow. You don't care. You don't care. But does God want me in that country? Why did God bring me to this country? You see, some of you are abroad. I pity you because you feel like God brought you there to make money. I pity you. You feel good. So you don't even have time to go to church anymore. But you don't understand that God saw that the Christian values in the Western world is dying. So God began to export evangelists. Some of you don't know that you are an evangelist exported. Why some of you were not prepared? God knew you would get visa last year, last two years, last ten years. He knew you would be in America, in UK, in US. God knew from the day you were born. He knew a time will come that there will be a lot of corruption in the system. Gay, lesbians, and all kinds of things will be promoted. So God brought you out of Africa, put you in a Christian family, put you in a church, allowed you to be a Sunday school teacher, to groom you so that by the time you are exported there, you become the new face of Christianity, but you are the one. While you were here, you thought you were serving your pastor. You thought you were doing what you were doing for somebody's favor. You thought all you were doing was to please somebody else. You thought you were doing it so when they do things, you get offended. You did not learn. You did not grow. You did not study. Right now, that you would have been the witness of God in that place. You can't preach. You can't read the Bible. You, there's nothing you can do. One soul you can't even win. And you are asking God, why have I been in this country? Nothing is working. And God is asking you, is this why I brought you here? Is this why I brought you here? You see, when the purpose of a thing is unknown, abuse is inevitable. A lot of us are abusing a lot of things because we don't even know why God brought it our way. We don't know why. Am I saying don't work? No. You will pay bills. Am I saying don't make money? No. All I'm saying, that is not all that life is told. That is not all God brought you there from. Mordecai was speaking to Esther. He said, look at the view that the king has brought to destroy us. He said, God, if you don't stand up to do something now, eh? God puts you to become the queen for a day as this. If you don't stand up, Mordecai was very prophetic. He would have stopped Esther from going for the beauty pageant. You are a Christian. You are a Jew. You don't go and join these unbelievers. He said, no, go, go. God, we know one day we need a savior because we are in a land where they don't love Christians. God put you there for a day as this. If you don't stand up and react now to save us, God will actually bring help from another place. And then you and all your family will be destroyed. You and all your family. That is why we put people in political office thinking they are Christians. They go there. They don't stand for Christian values. They don't stand for the church. They rather do things that will destroy the church. One day, them and their children will be destroyed. Not in hell, though. Not, no, no, hell is too far. In this same country. In this same country. Be taking any policy. Allow the police to misbehave. Allow the soldiers to misbehave. Allow um, the medical department. Let the value drop. One day, your child will be sick. 
you will need to carry that child to hospital by emergency. Now, there's no hospital in Ghana that is qualified, that is standard enough, that have enough equipment to treat your child urgently. Before you fly your beautiful jets to US, to UK, that child will die. Then you will now know the value of the standard that you dropped. I watched a very funny video days ago. A girl came to her lecturer and said she failed all her courses. Lecturer said, I can't do anything. You have to go and go back and receive and all of that. And the lady said, no, I can't go. She brought out some money, gave to the man. The man said, no. Added more money. The man said, no. Increased the money. The man took the money and passed them, uh, the guy, the lady and all her friends. And years later, the girl said her choice is music. But her father wants her to be a doctor by all means. And this man gave this girl first class. Years later, this same lecturer was sick. And he was taken to the hospital. Lo and behold, he was to be, to be done uh, a surgery. The first person he saw was somebody who told him, we are coming, let's get the doctor. When the doctor came in, it was the girl that he faked a result for to pass. The girl he gave first class that got F9. The girl he gave a doctor's certificate that did not even pass through, that does not even deserve to be a quack nurse. And he said, no, I will not allow her. Get me somebody. They were like, what? Say, this girl is not a doctor. Sir. She has a license. The doctor said, no. She, she didn't get it well. That's the girl. Why are you a doctor? How did you become a doctor? I thought you said you love music. He said, the, the girl told him, said, the certificate you gave to me was too nice for me to neglect medicine. The certificate you gave to me, it was too nice for me to neglect medicine. I have first class. Why should I leave it and go and follow music? So I will treat you. He was there shaking on the bed, shaking, shaking. The girl gave him the wrong injection. Took him and he died. That is what we are doing. That is what we are doing. Your conviction must be strong. Why did God put you in the office you are working? Why did God give you that man as husband? Oh, right now, you are now thinking it's all about marriage. Why did God give you that child? So the same man God brought your way to help shape your life has now become somebody you are now playing with. The same woman God brought your way, God brought your way to change certain things is now the one you are looking at. The same child God gave you. If Mary has seen Jesus as just a baby, messing up the child, beating the child, not taking care, who would have been the savior of Mary? Who would have been the savior? We abuse a lot of things, not knowing the intentions of God behind that thing. One of the best carol songs I love is Mary Did You Know? Mary Did You Know? It's your baby boy. I walk upon the waters. Mary. Oh, that's my best carol song. Mary, when you were carrying this child, you were about to obey the child. The child peed on you. The child pulled on you. What did you say? Did you know? Did you ever think? Was there ever a mind in you one day that this child that you were carrying, pooing, peeing everywhere, you were feeding with power, breastfeeding, one day you will tell them, Lord, save me. Are you, did you ever know? Did you ever know? So many of us are messing up the things God has brought our way to change us because no conviction. No conviction. What is your conviction? You can receive prophecy from anywhere. And anyone, if there is no conviction. Listen, there are prophecies and directions you must not receive from strangers. Let me repeat. There are prophecies and directions you must not receive from strangers. If you must receive, then your spirit, your spirit must first agree.
one of my daughter reached out to me and said that she even a daughter cry. I have to recheck if she's still a daughter. I have to go and recheck. That uh, what is it called? Or, um, somebody, a prophet reached out through the sister and they said this and that will happen and all of that. So they need, they need to send money so that they will buy things, to buy some things, to do direction. That is a ritual. That is a ritual. They will possess you. What the hell? Listen, I'm, you know me, I don't joke with giving. I don't joke with giving. You know me. But listen, the moment prophecy is now coming, not for you to give out of love, not for you to give, I believe, in raising altars. But now they need to go and buy some ingredients to go. Are you cooking soup? Are you cooking soup? I have to go and buy some ingredients. You see, there are spirits following you. We have to go and buy water and buy this, buy candle and buy red one, buy green one and go to one junction. And my friend, what are you saying? A believer? And you don't feel anything wrong with it. You don't feel anything wrong. You are okay. A lady reached out to me. I know her. She happened to be in ministry. Message me, she wants to talk to me about something, you know, and all of that, 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 that. She called me and said, uh, God said, I should empty everything I have financially, divide it into two, and give all as a seed. God said, I should empty everything I have financially, divide it into two, and give half as a seed. I didn't obey her. I did the direction, but I did not obey her because God already spoke to me prior to that time, said I should do certain kind of giving and all of that. So while I went to prayer, my conviction, listen, don't get this wrong. You can be somebody who is greedy, that you can't let things go. So you start thinking you have conviction, but your greed is what is stopping you. I've given more than everything I have. I've given everything sometimes. I've given what I don't have. I've given. But it dawned on me that this one is not the voice of God. This one, this one is not the voice of God. It's not the voice of God. It's not the voice of God. That is why it's important for you to be under an authority. There is nobody I fear. I fear somebody with many prophets than Satan. I don't fear the devil. Anybody that have a lot of prophets. There are a lot of people giving you direction. A lot of people, I fear you more than I fear devil. Yeah, I'm afraid of you. I'm very afraid of you. Too many voices. One day, one will tell you that I'm your problem. You should come and kill me. And you will obey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One day, one will tell you. Mm, I just saw, I just saw that there's one pastor is your problem. Go and kill him. They give you direction. You still come and do. Your conviction must be strong. What doctrine have you been built out of? What is your conviction? What is your belief system centered around? Or anything that comes, as long as I'm looking for solution, it does not matter what can be, can be, and all of that, and blah, 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 blah. A woman, they, they reached out to me about a woman who is, is sick, so she's paralyzed about dying and all of that. What happened? She just gave birth and got paralyzed her. Was she looking for a child? Because I know that things like this, listen, when you know God, there are things you know, you say that this one, God is not behind it. Was she looking for a child? They say, yeah. Did she go somewhere? Where did she go to get the child? 
And she said there's one um, one man somewhere around this thing and all of that. It dawned on me immediately. There's a ritual going on. Who gives you a baby who will take your life? That is what is going on right now. So she has got pregnant, she has given birth, and something now is now fighting back. As long as you are looking for help, anywhere there is Bible is a church to you. Listen, considering certain things alone is a sign that your conviction is weak. Somebody call you, say, We saw the, um, I just saw, maybe the prophecy might be right. All right, the prophecy might be correct, but please check the instructions. Check them. You will know whether God is there or not. I saw somebody call you now. Your brother went to a church. They call your name, call your phone number, call your address. Call. Ah, correct. Listen, listen. Correct prophecy does not make a man of God correct. Even the devil prophesies. Correct information is just a gift. The thing is the atmosphere around, the dealing, the presence. You can go to a malam now, you will receive something and you begin to see vision. Does that make you a prophet? Because of lack of conviction, we, we take everything. Somebody now call you. No, your sister, she's not married. We saw that this, that, that, that. Tell her to come. We want to do some direction. They now invite you. We want to go and bait you in the river. You said, okay, I'm thinking about it. You are mad as a Christian. You are mad. You, are, you think about it. Somebody wants to go and beat you. you. You say you will think you are mad. Fully mad. If I beat you now, don't worry. You will get pregnant in two days. If I beat you, don't worry. You will get married. You are mad. Mad Christians. Who, whose guide and instruction do you follow? What is your conviction? Listen, if there is no human being in your life, that you fear, that you reverence, that you obey concerning the things of God, you are a disaster heading somewhere to happen. Everybody that have a Bible that you meet, or a church, what looks like a church, or they call Jesus, then that is church, that is God. Anything, anywhere you see Bible, then your attention is attracted. Anywhere they are calling name and number, you are attracted. Listen, if you think everybody that has a microphone is a pastor, very soon you will need them for MC or DJ to pray for you. If you think everybody that has a microphone is a pastor, very soon you will need them for a DJ or an MC to pray for you because they also use microphone. What is your conviction? What is your conviction? Maybe you are here listening to me. You are not even sure how you came to this platform. You are not even sure how you joined. Somebody gave you a prophecy or somebody gave you a message. This pastor prophesied and you came around, you confirmed it's true and all of that. Please go back and also check your conviction. Because what happens is, if you are not convinced, you can be here. And when we give instructions, when we do the things you will do, you will not follow because you are not convinced. So you keep missing out of what God is doing here. So build your conviction. Be sure. Go back to Podbean, listen through the teachings on the podcast, and now decide, am I supposed to be here or I shouldn't be here? So that by the time we are teaching you, by the time we are giving you prophecy, by the time we are instructing you, you will know whether it is coming of righteousness or of another spirit. You will know. 
Me, I'm not here to entice anyone. I'm not here to please anyone. I'm here just to give as God instructs. I'm here to lead as God will help. Be careful of people that have many teachers. Be careful of people who just became born again and now they want to lead. When did you get born again? Two days ago. And you are the one that wants to advise me. Be careful. Be careful of people who have no authority over them. Nobody can tell them, stay here, stop there. Be careful of people who tell you, I'm a Christian, but I don't belong to any church. Fear them. I'm a Christian. What church do you attend? No church. Be careful. Be careful of people that put God aside in a particular situation. This problem now, forget God now, forget God. In this problem now, put, forget God, let's put God aside. Let's you see this thing. For, be careful. Be careful. If you have no conviction, Satan can bring a revelation to lead you astray. Listen, I don't, I don't so fear revelation. I don't so respect, in quotes, prophecy. I respect the character of the prophet more than the prophecy. Because if the vessel is cunning, the message should be checked. Anybody that lies a lot, the word from your mouth needs to be tested. Because another spirit can enter and speak through you. Recheck your dreams with the word of God. Don't just dream and you carry the star on it. Recheck your dream. Is it consistent with the word of God? Recheck your prophecy with what God has said before. God told you before that you shouldn't get married, you should not date till the next five years. Suddenly a prophecy comes. It's time for you to get married. Is that what God said before? Go and recheck what God said. What has changed? What has changed? Your conviction. Your conviction. What is your conviction? Where do you stand? This is why a lot of us don't prosper. We, we blame the devil, blame a lot of things. What is your conviction? Today you tithe, tomorrow you don't tithe. Today you pray, tomorrow you don't pray. Today you give, tomorrow you don't give. Today you honor, tomorrow. What is your conviction? You are being tossed like a table, a, a table tennis, left and right, front and back, up and down. Where do you belong? What are you known for? I want us to pray.